It is a supernatural radio noir. And it is about 50 minutes long, but 50 minutes of entertainment beyond belief. And like I said, it's a supernatural event here on the Top Dollar Hour. It is a Mid-Valley Mutations uh, Pecho Grande presentation. Hopefully I pronounced that right. Again, this is The Adventures of Marcus Little, Tall Tales and Small Rewards. Enjoy! Not in words with... It is 9.59 Standard Time, and you're listening to ABS, the American Broadcasting System. And up next, we have It's Matt Smith's Place, where hilarity and radio meet square in the middle to bring you something now. That's right here on ABS, the American Broadcasting System. It's easy enough to spend all your energy reading the clues, and it's also easy enough to lose sight of the big picture. From the twisted case files of A.C. Richards comes another tale of the small man with the big caseload. It's the adventures of Marcus Little with Nate Kelly as Marcus Little and Jessica Norman as his secretary, Cindy. What happened was this. I was at my desk enjoying the squawk box. I was counting the rings on my hangover and my lucky stars as I tried to balance breakfast in the checkbooks with diminishing returns. Each recalculation was only getting worse, and I was almost ready to go for a walk when my secretary burst in on me. What do you want? A raise and some comfortable shoes. Why don't you use the ones you've got and make a U-turn instead? Because I'm hoping to turn your day around with what I've got. If it's what you usually have, then I'm moving into the passing lane. Back it down there, four-wheeler. Your CB still works, I imagine. It depends. Who's on the line? Maybe someone we can string along. Or maybe someone's looking to string us up. Hard to say. Maybe try picking up that knitting needle and see if you can make us some greenbacks. Dig? Big 10-4, Cindy. Marcus Little, no case too small with big rewards. How can I help you? So you're Marcus Little. There must be an echo. How can I help you? My name is Sarah Lund, and I've got the do do if your dance card is free. Can you meet me at 7th and Broadway right now? <clears throat> Just like that, then. Excuse me? Let me echo this time. Excuse me. You're not even going to show off your dance moves first? Can't you give me some tune you can barely hum before you cut to the chase? Or should I call your bluff now and be done with it? Why should I? It's customary. But you won't believe the song I'll sing. That's what I said. No, I mean, you actually won't believe it. There isn't an echo in here. There isn't an echo? There isn't a metaphoric echo either. I need your help. I see. There's no point in a song and dance or some silly story when you should just let me hire you and be done with it. What if it's a good story? (sighs) I mean, I spent an awful lot of time on it. So what's your hurry? Because you're on my dime now. Can you please meet me at 7th and Broadway? It might mean the difference between life and death. See? Now you're beginning to sound a little interesting. Look, I don't normally bite unless the bait is particularly good. So why not give me the elevator pitch? What's the what? In more words than that. It's... it's my friend. I think she's in trouble because of someone she works with. I see things in my mind. Don't ask me how. And I want you to help her before it's too late. Well, why didn't you say so in the first place? 
How long before? Let me grab a few things and I'll head over. No more than, say, 20 minutes. I'll be there. How will I'll I... I'll recognize you. I didn't really give it much thought, outside of the fact that it was another case, just like any other. I decided to keep the theme music going and pocketed the radio, along with some note cards, pens, keys, a pocket watch, and some good old-fashioned luck. Where are you going? To hear a tall tale. How big of you? Where? Where else? 7th and Broadway. Getting out into the smog-soaked city was just what I needed for my jangled nerves and irritated id. The traffic snarls and grim utterances from the people around me not only felt like a reassurance for my career choice, but a reflection of all the ugliness I see in that reassurance every day. I puffed on a cigarette, lost in thought, and almost missed my turn when a voice I sort of recognized called out to me, suddenly. Marcus Little? Sarah? Yes. Let's go. It's just... What? You sound... Sound? I mean, you don't... Don't what? What? Excuse me, I'm just nervous about being seen in public. I know a place where we can go and talk. I'm just not... You want to be indecisive your whole life, or do you want to make some dough? Have it your way, Sarah. As Sarah began to lead me off the beaten path, I began to realize I didn't know where she was taking me. All of these red flags were starting to wave in unison, something that would normally put me off the case, like some boiled English food would put me off my dinner. And yet Sarah seemed harmless. There was certainly something about her that triggered something in me. And that's always the case with the best women, anyway. I always see the world in terms of the piece I'm missing. She finally grabbed my hand and pulled me into Hab's Cafe which was enjoying a good brunch crowd into which we could hide between the cantaloupe slices and half-drunk cups of coffee. She almost shoved me into the booth in the back and took the seat with a better vantage point, but once she batted those lashes at me, I knew I had her right where I wanted her. So... Sarah is good for right now. But that's not your name. Is that going to be a problem? Depends on what else you're hiding. Nothing that a healthy bank account and nice legs have helped me keep hidden. I can already tell this is going to be a lot of fun. Welcome to Haps. Can I get you some drinks while you wait? An orange juice, please? And a cup of enthusiasm. Pardon? (laughs) Black coffee. Oh, a charmer. Nice. Working here must be fun. I need your help. There is an echo, I guess. Yes, we've been through that part. But you left me hanging and it's a week later. And I've come back to see how the next reel of the serial turns out. It's my neighbor. Something's going on there, and I need you to check it out. I see. What does your neighbor do? Oh, you know, the usual. Keeps weird hours, leaves lights on all night long, and we can hear strange sounds coming from the walls when you walk past at night. Something's going on in there that just ain't right. So I get the role of the nosy neighbor come to find out what's up in some cliched sitcom. And when I have some idea, I... You call me at this number to arrange another meeting somewhere else. I just need to know what's happening. You do nothing, okay? One apple juice and one chamomile tea. Excuse me? Yes? This isn't what I ordered. And I asked for coffee. I don't think so. Actually, I ordered orange juice. And I asked for coffee. Are you sure? I was here too, you know. 100%. Because I feel like you ordered apple juice. I don't even like apple juice. Okay, okay, I get it. Orange juice and a beer. 
coffee. But at this point, I'll drink whatever you put in front of me, provided it's liquid. They must be asleep. What about your friend, the one in trouble? What are you talking about? On the phone, you said you saw things in your mind. A matter of life and death. It certainly piqued my interest enough to keep reading. Yes, that's why I really must know what's going on next door. I think my friend might be involved. So why don't I meet you at home after I confront your neighbor? You ask a lot of unnecessary questions for someone who charges $250 a day. Plus expenses. And right now, I'm not sure I'm even splitting the bill with you for this meeting. (sighs) Look, the truth is that I am a fortune teller. Like in the movies? But prettier and more expensive. I work out of my home, and recently there's been some activity next door. Some strange, weird stuff. That's what you get when your house isn't zoned for that kind of business. Haunted? Dunno. But it's been putting my house back in line with what the zoning commission would prefer, that's for sure. No one stops by anymore. I see. And once I start asking a gumshoe to help me with a little ghost problem, clients start to question why this gal, with a powerful connection to the spirit world, can't get a ghost to just leave when she wants it to. Clients ask more questions than the zoning commission, apparently. Which is why you don't want me just to drop by your house. Can't you see why I couldn't mention this on the phone? Why I needed to tell you in person? (sighs) I follow. So you'll take the case? Yeah, I'll take it. Thank you, Mr. Little. If we could get started on this immediately, it would certainly ease my mind. I can only imagine. Okay, two waters. You ready to order? We'll be in touch. Certainly. What's wrong with her? It must be the atmosphere. Well, what do you want? Coffee. But clearly, I'll need to go somewhere else to get it. Marcus Little may have big problems ahead if he doesn't pay attention to the small details. We'll find out what happens next on The Adventures of Marcus Little after these messages. Hey, kids! Have you ever had this happen to you? You're having a good time, playing kickball with friends, And suddenly, you're thirsty. But this isn't just any thirst, and regular old water just won't do. We know that at times like this, there's nothing kids want more than amazing Bar C soda. Now with twice the power-packing pop of any soda on the market. Bar C soda has that taste that kids crave. And with the triple P flavor of power-packing pop, Bar C will be a hit with all the kiddos this summer. Just listen. Barcy soda tastes like playing outside with your friends. The only thing better than cartoons is a bottle of Barcy. That feeling you get when you're going down the slide or riding your bike really fast or, or that moment before you land on the cement beneath the jungle, Jim. That's what Barcy soda tastes like. Freedom. That's what Barcy tastes like to me. Freedom. Once again, that's Bar C Soda. Now, with twice the power packing pop in every bottle. Buy some for the kid in your family. Every year, hundreds of personal injury cases go unprosecuted, mostly because the clients didn't know their injury could earn them big cash dividends. Hi, I'm Mort Linger of Linger and Hook Lawfer, and your hangnail can earn you money you never knew you had fast. Do you have a case of tennis elbow that ruins everyday activities? Are those foot cramps in the middle of the night becoming a nuisance that you can no longer take lying down? Are you having difficulty hearing after you and a friend attended a local rock concert? 
Well, these are just a few of the cases that we have mitigated for our clients over the years. But we are proud to report a 62% success rate, better than most firms in the tri-state area. Watch your stubbed toe turn into a pile of stubbed dough right before your eyes. That's the Lingering Hope Law Firm at Klondike 657. Tell them Mort sent you. Now it's time for Act Two of The Adventures of Marcus Little, starring Nate Kelly as our hero in Tall Tales and Small Rewards. I've certainly handled stranger cases than this, so I wasn't much more suspicious of my client than I would be of anyone I was just meeting for the first time. A quick stop at Lucky's Donut Shop for some enthusiasm and a snack seemed in order. And boy was I etc. Because Lucky himself had not only made the brew, but gave me far too much background on my destination to be anything but a portent of good things to come. I gave Cindy a ring back at the office, though she didn't answer. Then I hauled myself up to Sandy to find 2539 Lapine, the address Sarah had given me. Up Sandy I drove, but the houses began to thin out and it seemed as if the snipe had vanished and I was about to realize what kind of hunt I was on. Suddenly, I passed some trees to see the hospital that occupied that address. The snipe was now plainly in view. Rather than attract undue attention, from what or who I wasn't quite sure, I decided to play the part of the P.I. and try to do a little sleuthing. Lucky had mentioned that Mariner State Hospital had been closed for years and that it was up this way. But I didn't piece together it might be the same place I was heading until just now. This used to be the local asylum, working closely with the state until it was shut down after too many complaints turned out to be horrifyingly true. I also realized suddenly that this wasn't the first time I'd been out here either. I'd worked for a client that unfortunately led to me getting tangled up with the McNair gang. While it's a long story, I wound up at their hideout after getting knocked out, and Mariner State Hospital happened to be their place. Well, the hospital has been abandoned for almost 20 years, from the side of the road where I shouldered my Chevy four-door, I could see a light was on in one of the rooms on the second floor. Considering the circumstances, I decided that I should continue on foot, so as not to be too obvious. Like with any new job, it was always a good idea to take in the environment before making any rash decisions. Mariner State Hospital was not huge, but it sat on a very large lot with what once was a well-kept lawn surrounding it. The building must have been built in the late 1800s, but clearly electricity and other modern inconveniences were brought to Mariner as the years passed. A variety of street lights and telephone poles surrounded the grounds, and at night the place was well illuminated, certainly. But the abandonment of the building was beginning to show, and it was almost crumbling in places. Because there was a light on, because I didn't want to risk setting off any alarms if I just walked up to the place, I decided to set up a stakeout before getting any closer. For the next few hours, I managed to circle Mariner a few times on foot, but day surveillance limited how close I could actually get. I realized that Sarah had lied to me. There wasn't a building, let alone a fortune teller's house, anywhere near the hospital. The best course of action for someone wanting to gain access to Mariner 
was to come in at night by foot. After I finished my stakeout, I went back down Sandy and stopped in at the service station to call Sarah at the number she gave me, and predictably, she didn't answer. I tried Cindy at the office again, but everyone was giving me the brush off right now. I went shopping, picked up some supplies, and popped into my apartment so I could catch some shut-eye for that evening's activities. I fitfully laid down in my own bed until I couldn't stand it any longer. Then I stopped in at the office, but by then it was after five, and Cindy had clearly gone for the day. It was probably just as well. I packed up a flashlight and my lockpicks, plus a couple other tools of the trade, and tossed them all into a bag. Borrowing the bicycle from a neighbor, under the pretense I needed it to get more exercise, I rode up to a random greasy spoon on Sandy to grab a quick bite for dinner and waited for the sun to go down. It didn't take long before I was standing where I had parked my car earlier that day, but under the cover of night. Not even what was left of the moon could illuminate me. The clouds did offer some guidance for those with particularly keen vision, but the overgrown yard at Mariner aided the darkness in my efforts to remain on scene. From here, I ditched the bike and continued on foot. I approached the hospital, and as if it hadn't been turned off the entire time, the light on the second floor was still on. And much like what Sarah reported, I could now hear a very strange hum coming from the building. Not exactly electric or supernatural, but certainly something that did not sound like it should be coming from a supposedly abandoned building. Even worse, the hum was punctuated by something that sounded like a squeaking musical instrument of some kind, except more like a voice, and yet neither of these things either. I circled the hospital a few times, and aside from the hum and the squeaking, there was no signs of life. I went back to the side where the light was on and found a comfortable place to watch the window and waited. But after 90 minutes, it was clear the building existed in this state, more or less, most of the time. I was about to guess that there was no one inside and was ready to light a cigarette when a shadow moved across the window. I was almost unsure of what I saw and a gasp was on my lips. There was what appeared to be a shadow of an ape or a monkey that moved across the window, as if it were swinging through the trees. The movement only took a few moments, but as I sat, motionless, I was transfixed by what I had seen, and sat in awe as I tried to process it. In a way, this helped me decide to go inside and be done with it. Whatever was there wasn't supposed to be there anyway, and I knew my way around from my last visit. Hopefully that intel would come in handy somehow. After all of that, I was surprised to find the door wasn't even locked. Hello, is anybody home? Aside from the slight echo of my own voice, I couldn't hear anything else. I decided to snoop around the first floor to see if I could find anything worth risking a trespass charge for. The receptionist's desk was more or less intact, but clearly it hadn't been used in ages, as had most of the rest of the place. And where the corners and outer areas were dusty and dilapidated, it was clear that people had been inside recently, wearing paths through the dirt and dust that had accumulated. Occasional graffiti on the walls also spoke to the recent use of the place, but most likely by teens looking for a way to pass the time, rather than evidence of something more shadow-casting and sinister going on. 
It's possible that some kids just left the lights on upstairs after a night of drinking and causing trouble, and some swinging light bulb casting an odd shadow is the extent of the mystery I would now solve. There was also the squeaking sound, but now that I was inside of the hospital, it was louder and seemed more like talking than I previously thought. There was some empty and unused rooms along one side of the first floor, and the rest was taken up by a large lunchroom, where empty bottles and cups and other trash only reinforced my partying teen's theory. While the squeaking was certainly unnerving, it seemed to be coming from upstairs, and I followed. But as I followed the sound through the hall, I not only heard the squeaking get louder, but the voices of two men talking, which silenced me completely. You need to stop doing that. Yeah, it's something to pass the time. Yeah, but I imagine the cost starts to add up. It's my money. I spend it how I want to. Oh, I see. What do you mean? Ah, nothing. It just must be nice to just spend your money willy-nilly. I don't spend it all on the ponies. There's greyhounds, too. <laughs> you know, you certainly complain about being broke a lot for someone who also talks about horse racing as much as you do. But these animals are the peak physical perfection. When they're in motion, it's just, it's stunning. Boring if you ask me. Give me an honest day's pay for an honest day's work over gambling any day. You haven't worked an honest day in your life. <laughs> hey, I work. I show up when I'm supposed to. I do what I'm told. Yeah, and look where it's got you. Sitting in a room, alone, making like some king in an empty castle while the others grab all the glory. <laughs> they can have their glory. You don't get shot at when you're... Now that damn squeaking sound is back. If this is a joke, I swear to you guys, it's not funny. I was so invested in what the two men were saying, I didn't give myself much room for an exit strategy if I needed one. So I did my best to hide behind a filing cabinet and hope that the squeaking sound wouldn't give up my position. Hello? Who's there? This is one of those situations where you better give yourself up because you won't like what happens if I catch you on my own. It's just that damn squeak again. It's nothing. I'm not so sure, Barney. Something's going on. I could feel it. Is this like the time you thought the entire police force in the county was actually just a mouse eating a leftover sandwich out in the hall? Together, there was no way I could handle them, but I decided to take a chance to attempt to disarm this gentleman snooping around in the hallway. In one continuous motion, I wielded the flashlight like a club and moved within striking distance. What are you? Hey, stop! With the first member of the goon squad counting sheep, I attempted to move him out of view to give myself a better place to strategically enforce nap time on goon number two. But goon number one was heavier than I thought, and when it occurred to me I didn't have time to move him, I turned to see the butt of goon two's gun connect with the center of my forehead. Who do you think you are? Marcus But before I was finished saying that, I was already being consumed by complete blackness and then silence. At first, all I could hear was the hum. Distant. Quiet. But soon it came into focus like a radio tuning, and I sat up. In front of me was a strange-looking blob-like monkey creature as if made out of smoke and light and film, floating feet away from me from my position on the floor. 
It almost looked like a grandmother had set about the task of making a stuffed creature for a grandchild, but due to the combination of tight resources and the effects of aging, this was what Grandma managed to sew together from scraps of fabric and a whole lot of love. While I couldn't make out any eyes, it stared at me nonetheless. What do you mean? I was about to ask you the same thing. Marcus. Marcus Little. Wait, before you make the same dumb joke, it's just Marcus Little. I'm actually quite tall for my body type. I don't actually know what happened. I showed up to investigate this supposedly abandoned hospital, only to find that these thugs are hiding out. And apparently you live here. That information is confidential. Let's just say I'm the curious type. Even if you had access to the astral plane, I'm guessing you wouldn't be asking if you actually knew why I was here. I'm starting to get the impression that you are on my side. And it seems like you don't want these guys in your house anymore than I do. So maybe we might want to work together. Why does a ghost need money? We'll talk about that once the case is solved. Let's search the room and see if they left us anything to go on. The goon squad had left me in a room they had been occupying. My new ghost companion and I poked around as they were nowhere to be seen. Inside the room was a table, a few chairs, some playing cards, a stack of eerie comics, an ashtray, and a few other odds and sods, mostly the garbage left over from two men holing up in one place for a long period of time. Clearly they had been part of a bigger gang as there were signs that more than two of them had been around in the last several days. I was about to give up when... What's that? Let me see. Hmm. A matchbook, huh? The Blue Parrot. It was a plain white book of matches with a black logo. But as I flipped it open, I saw a single name written inside. Looks like it's time to go see what Betty knows. It's never a good sign when you wake up and start talking to ghosts. But it's old hat when you're Marcus Little. We'll be right back with more of his adventures after this. Hey kids, your breakfast just got a whole lot more exciting with Captain Amazing's Chocolate Powered Blasts, now available in the candy aisle at your local grocer. Captain Amazing spends most of his time saving the universe from the invaders from deep space, monsters from the sea, and horrible oddities that the evil Professor Zigzag has created. But he also understands that kids want something fun on the breakfast table, Instead of boring old oatmeal, they want chocolate-powered blasts, the cereal that guarantees more fun in every bite. Act now, because each bag of Captain Amazing's chocolate-powered blasts contains a chocolate-powered prize pack, so you can keep your neighborhood safe. Collect all four toys and help Captain Amazing beat Professor Zigzag and save the universe by eating Captain Amazing's chocolate-powered blasts today. Don't wait. Act now. Supplies are limited. But that doesn't mean you can't enjoy eating Captain Amazing's chocolate-powered blasts for breakfast, or any time of day. Once again, kids, that's Captain Amazing's chocolate-powered blasts, where you can feel the nutrition hit you like a blast. If you're looking for a way to handle that big appetite on a Sunday afternoon without breaking the bank, then you'll want to meet us at Parson Sanders Cafe for a Sunday school lesson your whole family will look forward to. 
using recipes that only the good Lord saw fit to bless, I've been wowing parishioners for years at every church function, so much so that I decided to bring these divine confections to the secular world. Join us for a meal that will make you feel like you're one of God's own flock, and enjoy fried chicken and waffles like you've never had before. That's Parson Sanders Cafe, where your hunger will be saved or your money back. Open Sunday through Thursday, try our King Solomon brunch with enough to share with a friend. Parson Sanders Cafe. Redemption is free. Coffee, 15 cents. Act 3 of The Adventures of Marcus Little starts momentarily. Now with Nate Kelly in the title role, we will continue today's story, Tall Tales and Small Rewards. It was clear from the handwriting on the matchbook that no matter how much I'd been burned, there was always room to still give the third degree to someone, but who she was and how she fit into all of this was anyone's guess. And more to the point, it was something I needed some fresh accoutrement and or a fresh gin and tonic to properly mull it over before I could take action. But as soon as I started pedaling back to my pad, this ghost starts following me, and for some reason no longer bound to the hospital. I decided to call him Itty, after some old comic book I vaguely remembered, and together we traveled on two wheels under the moon, itself hanging in the sky like a damp towel absently tossed onto a hook after a shower. I put on some fresh duds appropriate for the clubs and splashed a little water on my face to assess the damage of the evening's adventures. Other than looking a little pale for my complexion, I appeared just fine, so I ran a comb through my hair, scarfed down some leftovers from the fridge, and within 15 minutes, Itty and I were back in my car. It won't be long now. The Blue Parrot was well known as a respectable club that you'd want to take a date to if you wanted to be extremely old-fashioned and risk that the glamour wasn't going to be a turn-off. But on the flip side, it was also a well-known front for some of the bigger acts in organized crime, entertainment notwithstanding. The staff and everyone connected to the inner workings were no fewer than a degree or two from someone made, and the rest were usually connected to other less respectable folks, making it a hub of action on most nights. Of course, that could be said for a number of people and places in Century City, but I don't judge and I don't drive to the airport. And who wasn't occasionally working with a friend who may or may not know what did or didn't fall off the back of a truck from time to time? For me, that gentleman's name was Ape. Or at least, that ape's name was Ape. <clears throat> I knew Ape from his partner, this excellent gumshoe gal who I worked with when I needed a real ace and couldn't crack something. And she had called me up from time to time, though never socially, which was always a letdown. Ape rarely worked alone, but times were tough, and he needed an income just like anyone else. He was also the perfect doorman for a place like the Blue Parrot. No one could talk their way past or muscle up to that big gorilla without really getting the monkey business. Lucky for me, we were in a similar line of work, so to speak, and more pointedly, we were totally square. I parked the Chevy and Itty and I got out, Still under the impression we were working a completely different case. Yeah, no, don't let me catch you ugly jackals here again, you hear me? 
Hmm. Now, uh, whoa. <laughs> what happened to you? Is that any way to talk to my new friend, Itty? Whoa. That's not what I meant, Mark. Hmm. Yeah, you just look different, Saul. It's been a long day. What's the holdup tonight? If I just put my paw under yours and catch that Jackson that you're about to drop, <laughs> we shouldn't have a holdup at all, sir. Fine. Uh, just putting the kids through college, you know. You don't have any kids. And I, I won't give up trying until I have some, thank you. Now what do you need? Just a table for me and my friend. Preferably with a good view of Betty when she takes the stage. Mm, I should have known. You know, on second thought, you can have the bell back. Betty's not in tonight. Oh, really? Eddie says she's up in 15 minutes. Now why would you say she's not in? You can't blame me for trying. <laughs> but you never gave me this, and I never saw you. And you better take my call first thing next time Angel needs a favor. For her, anything. Hmm. Table three-ish. And for you, there's a four-drink minimum. You drive me ape, you big gorilla. The Blue Parrot was carried live on ABS radio five nights a week. And their entertainment was second to none. Itty and I ordered some cocktails, surf and turf, and plenty of sides and we're feeling fat and happy when the lights finally dimmed. Hey, hi, and welcome to the Blue Parrot Lounge here in beautiful Century City. Here in the Blue Parrot Lounge, haha, we strive to bring you the finest in entertainment that you cannot and will not find anywhere else. And now, you get to enjoy the fruits of our labors with this next crooner who is tops here among the avian enthusiasts. Please offer a warm welcome to this stunning and sophisticated woman of class and distinction, Betty. Before I even had the chance to put up my disinterested front and say to myself that there was no way I could possibly like someone so badly hyped by such a hack, I caught myself doing an actual double take. And not one of those fake ones you see in the movies. Because the creature that emerged from the side of the stage was more than just the name Betty had prepared me for. As soon as she opened her mouth, I realized I had spent too much of my time chasing skirts when I could have been listening to women who sounded like this. What could I say? The wise guy was speechless. The P.I. without a sense of how to signify. And it was clear why any one of millions of people shouldn't want to have her name scribbled on the inside of anything within reach, let alone a matchbook. Mythical comparisons come to mind, and the dimmest memories of poetry seemed to pop up when I tried to piece it together. And yet, this didn't prevent me from accidentally summarizing it poorly and succinctly with, wow.
Hey, don't you dare refer to her like that. How would you feel if someone said something like that about you? <laughs> exactly. Now, can you scout things out here first before I make a play for her dressing room? <laughs> we make a good team, Itty. Well, the MC droned on and attempted to badly do a job anyone who didn't call themselves an MC could do much better. I quickly ordered another drink and watched Itty as he seemed to float around the club effortlessly without being noticed. Before long, he came floating back with a pint glass in his spectral hand. Okay, thanks. While I was not in the best physical shape, this job does keep you light on your toes when you need to be. And I quickly made my way down the hall and to the green room. I opened the door and found myself face to face with the charming crooner herself. Ah! What are, what are you doing here? It's all right. Relax. I'm just a fan. That was some performance out there. It was? It was. Is there an echo in here? Are you okay? Why does everyone keep asking me that? It's just that you look... Never mind. Who are you? Where's my manager? The name's Little, and I'm no one you need to worry about. Well, I suppose not if you're that honest. I just have a few questions. <sighs> now I'm ready to scream again. Look, it ain't like that. I don't like cops. Neither do I. But sooner or later, someone gets mixed up with a gang at Mariner State Hospital, and if they're not careful, they wind up a casualty of that gang. Do I make myself clear? I don't know what you're talking about. Is this your handwriting on this matchbook? Sure. It always is. Were you born yesterday? How did it get into the drawer at a desk at Mariner State Hospital? I see. You just came from Mariner State Hospital? Don't play coy with me. I'm not. I'm just piecing all of this together. And you say there's a gang hold up there, and I'm mixed up with them? Now there is an echo in here, isn't there? And you came here looking like that, looking for me. Yes, yes, yes. Now may I ask a question or two myself? <sighs> no, please, don't. But I'll help you anyway. Here. I don't know why they always come to me like this, but they do. There's a man at this address. He can help you. What is this? I think you misunderstand why I'm here. Where's the rest of this gang from Mariner State Hospital? How long have you been here tonight? The only way you don't go to jail with them is to spill it. So talk. Fast. Look, I don't have time to explain it all to you. And I need to get back on the stage in just a few minutes. Just go to this address, poke around. If Jed's not in, you'll figure it out, I'm sure. But talking to me will actually get you nowhere. Not even if you charm me. Don't patronize me. Two minutes. Thanks, Don. Good luck, Little. I hope you find what you need and solve the case or whatever. But... It's nice to meet a fan, even if it is too late. And with that, the most beautiful woman I'd ever seen left me alone and confused in the green room at the nightclub. Unfortunately... It hadn't been the first time, either. Itty and I settled our tab at the Blue Parrot and beat a hasty retreat. I was beginning to get the stink eye from someone I could only imagine was Betty's manager. And with my luck, I wouldn't last much longer in a place like this without a couple of people with grudges finally realizing who I was and what I was up to. We hopped into my car and began making our way towards the address that Betty had given me. 1612 Highway Street. I couldn't place the address at first, 
and as Eddie and I made our way towards it, I reflected on how strange it was to live in a city that you didn't know completely. How small are our roles in this world when it really comes down to things? Are we just running meaningless errands, given weight only because we have to carry around the memory of what we've done? For us to constantly consider as we continue to accumulate more and more things to do or have done, how far will we continue following the seemingly connected trail of events strung together before we finally piece together the entire picture, the full city, all of the nooks and crannies accounted for, and all of the crumbs and clues finally pointing towards a full and complete picture? I changed the channel on my radio. Suffice it to say, by the time Eddie and I realized where we were about to arrive, we were fully prepared in both mood and spirit to encounter something truly awful. It was only when we were in front of the place that I realized I had been here before, too. The city morgue. The last place bodies go before they are moved to the various funeral parlors and cemeteries bodies wind up in. Perhaps the gang at Mariner State Hospital was up to something much worse and creepier than I realized. Eddie and I knocked, but there was no answer. And whoever Jed might have been didn't get a chance to appear in our adventures. For some reason, only he knows. To my surprise, the door opened easily without having to be picked or kicked in that much, and it took me a moment or two to orient myself properly before I could determine where we could find the most clues, and quickly. The office I knew of seemed to have nothing of interest in it, and as we continued to wander around the building, it became clear that we needed to check the cold storage if we wanted to find anything really interesting. We made it back and were about to start opening doors and checking in on the occupants when we heard the sound of two people arriving. Eddie and I quickly ducked into a closet and hoped for the best, but given my luck this evening, that seemed unlikely. It's not like I need to say I'm sorry for, for something like that, right? I don't see why you would need to. I mean, to be fair, he should know what line of work he's getting into if he hasn't learned already by now. In a way, then, this is his first lesson, right? I'm not sure I really know what you mean, but I think I follow you. Uh, it's a shame you're too nice. Uh, people take advantage of nice people. Do you think that's what happened to this guy? He was too nice? Hard to say. My guess is wrong place, wrong time. I mean, he didn't have the brains enough to stay out of somewhere like that hospital. So it's, uh, it's not surprising what happens to people like that, right? Probably not. Seems like a tragedy though, don't you think? No one deserves this. Who can say? I'm not sure that we're the right ones to judge in a situation like this. We're merely bit parts in the play of this man's life. And while it has come to an end, perhaps even these small roles will be of import in some way or another. Knock it off. It's almost quitting time, and I don't want deep thoughts before I get drunk. Then I'm all sad and emo for the rest of the night, and that's no way to end an evening. Okay, what about baseball? Can't we talk about stereo equipment? I just got an excellent receiver that sounds great when you connect it to a good pair of speakers. 
Come on! You always talk about stereos. <laughs> I just visited this incredible baseball museum, and let me tell you, uh, there is no mystery why it was packed with visitors. <laughs> oh, the thinking man sport. <laughs> as soon as the two of them left, Itty and I immediately got out of the closet. And while everything in me said that I already knew who it was, I tried to deny it as we moved closer to the body they had just brought in. It must have been a death that happened tonight. That much was obvious. As I reached for the door to the small storage compartment they had just filled, I could feel something move through me, a force that I didn't recognize and couldn't. It was as if something was compelling me not to open the door, as if some energy was working against my arm, my body, my mind, driven by what I knew was inside. I quickly shook it off. If there was something so powerful, trying to prevent me from seeing it, then clearly I had to look, with all my might. I had to reach out for the door and grab it, pull it open, and look at what hideous thing could possibly be inside. Could anything have prepared me for the sight of my own crumpled and beaten body, lifeless, filling the compartment I was peering into? Marcus Little? Dead? How can this be? There must be more to this story than we can safely reveal in one installment, so please stay tuned for part two of Tall Tales and Small Rewards. The Adventures of Marcus Little features Nate Kelly as Marcus Little and Jessica Norman as Cindy Baumgarten. Featured in the cast were Jill Honstein as Candy Matson, Heather Sadowski as Johnny Thunder, Sean Royal as Mort Linger, Jeff Parks as Itty, Dash Thompson as Barney, Travis Doan as Fred and Ape, Tim Maloney as Parson Sanders, Don and Horace Withers, Emma Pace Jonas as Betty, David the Weatherman Wills as Merlin, and David Little Fyodor Lichtenberg as Greg. Also featured were Jason Ramey, Kelly Taylor, Jessica Ramey, Jesse Sutherland, Bella Ramey, Austin Rich, Stella Starr Schaefer, and William R. Harris. Our music was by Brendan Murray and Matt Orifice, and our script was by A.C. Richards. Your announcer was Fred Weiser. The Adventures of Marcus Little can be heard every week here on ABS, the American Broadcasting System. ABS, it's what's on. Now, stay tuned for part two after these messages and station identification. This is ABS, the American Broadcasting System. It is 10.59 Standard Time. When listening to ABS, why not catch the 5 o'clock news? Chuck Weston has all the stories that are news to use, and with Cassie Linquist on weather and sports, you are guaranteed to get everything you need to know when you need to know it. And at 8 on Fridays, it's the amazing world of science. Yes, it's true what they say, and every week, Professor Know-It-All takes you on a journey through ideas that are so unbelievable they must be true. That's the amazing world of science with Professor Know-It-All and the 5 o'clock news. True stories on the radio are waiting for you. And now... <laughs> that was episode one, or part one, 
of the adventures of Marcus Little, Tall Tales and Small Rewards. Next week, we will be airing Part 2. It's uh, written and directed by Austin Rich, a fine young man. A fine young man. And so that is the end of our show. I hope you enjoyed this special episode. And again, next week, we're going to hear Part 2 of The Adventures of Marcus Little. And thank you for staying tuned, listening, and good night. Thank you.